It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Coach, another classic, an overtime thriller against the Dolphins. I wanted to begin by talking about this week, conditioning, recovery, Monday night, a different schedule. How does your team react? Well, we've tried to be very creative. We uh, let the players off Monday and gave our coaches a chance to look at the Chicago Bears because we have a short week on the turnaround. So we need to always do our preparation, give everybody the same amount of time. Uh, but we brought the players in Tuesday. We watched the Dolphin film. We made some corrections. Uh, we had a nice practice Thursday. We'll have another one here today. And I think our team will be ready to go physically. Two overtime games takes a lot out of you. Long overtime games, yes. especially this one. I want to go to one big play with Casey Hayward in the safety. Not only was it a monster play historically, that type of safety, but it got the crowd going. 14 nothing down. All of a sudden, the Legion Stadium exploded. Got me going. We were down 14 to nothing. We needed something good to happen. We got rejected on third and one, fourth and one. Uh, we had a pick six. Things were going bad. And that play, that open field tackle, by the way, that was a heck of a player. He tackled Waddle's a great Absolutely. young player. It ignited us and uh, set us up with good field position. We got a field goal, made it 14 to five. And then the comeback began. That got the, they got the wheels churning. We've been talking about the running game, 140 total yards. Uh, Peyton Barber big, especially down the stretch when you tried to close out that game. What worked in the game, offensive line that got the running game going? I think persistence and emphasis on a couple plays, a couple schemes. You know, we've had a lot of turnover. We've had three different tailbacks, not making excuses. We've missed both our guards. So we're on our third and fourth guard. Some of them just got here. Uh, so we really haven't been in sync and it was ugly in the first quarter running the football, but sometimes you just got to be persistent, get a scheme or two that you think fits the fronts that you're blocking, and give the ball to a qualified back. That would be Barber, and he took advantage of it. Derek Carr, AFC Offensive Player of the Month. That's a great accolade, but it's a team effort. Tell me about the entire team. When a ward like that comes down, Derek's very humble, but going up against the quarterbacks he's been going up against around the league, that's a high honor. Well, that's a huge honor. I remember Gannon got it in 2001. Yeah. What a great honor that was. This is significant. He's brought us behind, from behind to win twice, overtime victories. He had a walk-off touchdown pass against the Ravens. His preparation, I think his consistency, his competitiveness, his leadership uh, are at a different level than they have been, and they've always been high. But I give him a lot of credit. He's gotten a lot of help. I think the defense has given him more and more opportunities than he's had since I've been here, and that helps. A.J. Cole. I love a punter <laughs> who's a weapon. And this franchise with Shane Leckler and obviously Ray Guy, I love the Coffin's corner. I love when a punter can pin someone back and put it in the corner. Tell me, you've been telling me about him for a while. How special is he? He is, uh, JT. You know, we had a tryout two years ago. He walked in here and nailed it. And ever since then, we have not looked back. We had Leckler. We brought in Janikowski and Leckler in the same draft, and they were here for a long time. Our hopes is that A.J. Cole and Daniel Carlson can do the same for the Raider Nation. But he can put the ball between the numbers and the sideline, make it very difficult for your returner with these directional punts, 
and he can hammer it. That that ball he punted in, in, late in the game was a 70-yard punt that really set the victory up. Let's go to Justin Herbert as we get ready for the Chargers. What does he do inside the pocket and concerns outside the pocket? He's special. Well, he can stand in there and make all the throws. Down the field, he has different arm angles. Uh, he's explosive when he leaves the pocket. He can run. He can leave you in the dust. He can throw on the run to the right or to the left. What I admire about him for a young quarterback is he sees it well. He makes good decisions. He doesn't turn it over. And he doesn't discriminate who he throws the ball to. He doesn't care if it's Keenan Allen or Eckler or Jared Cook. He's getting the ball to the right guy on time most of the time. He's got two big wide receivers, Allen and Williams, as you talk about tackling. The importance this week in preparation. They're going to catch balls, get them on the ground so they don't have yards after. Good point. You've got to limit the damage. You know, you got to limit the damage, and sometimes you got to plaster to your man for a long period of time because he creates plays. He's a little bit like Pat Mahomes that way. A lot of their offense sometimes is unscripted and is created by his scrambling. Derwin James and Bosa. Derwin James is finally back. Hell of a player. He's been hurt a lot early in his career, but he's a force. Seems a lot like your defense. you got a good pass rush, and then as it goes back to the safety, solid play. The Chargers, you're concerned with them, especially on the back end if Derek wants to attack. Well, they have a very good secondary. First of all, Coach Staley does a great job mixing up the coverage. It's hard to say what is that coverage. Is it a rotation? Is it too deep? Is it single high? Is it man or is it zone? They do a great job mixing it up. And Bosa doesn't give you very long to throw it. This guy's a great rusher. We've got to be very mindful of him. And he's got a couple other guys up there that are getting home too. Um, but they're a good defensive team. This is going to be a handful. This is going to be a real, real fight for us. Floppy had made a Gus Bradley coming back, but you got a couple of coaches on your staff going back to L.A. with the Chargers. Yeah, we got Casey Hayward going back. You know, Denzel Perryman's going back. It'll be a, hopefully a reunion for those guys, uh, a good reunion. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of respect uh, for the Chargers in our organization. Uh, they, they, they do things right, and they got a good football team. Coach, finally, I've been with you in London, Oakland, now Vegas. When the Raider Nation shows up, it's special. On the radio this week, and everyone's talking around the country about the turnout, you got Raider fans coming from Oakland. They're already <laughs> in L.A. They're coming from Vegas. I'm not here to predict how many are going to be there, but there's going to be a lot. That's got to be encouraging when you come out for warm-ups. Oh, it is. It's, uh, there's nothing like it. And you know, we can just keep it going, keep improving, keep giving these Raider fans what they want. You know, a lot of energy, uh, explosive plays, and uh, finishing strong. I think uh, the Raider Nation will always support us, but it's great to see them coming out with full force. Good luck in L.A., Coach. Thanks, JT. So thanks again to Coach Gruden. That was from today. Usually I do that on Thursday, but with the Monday night schedule, the Raiders had different off days this week. So I was just in there this morning, and he was fired up. He's pumped up. That interview brought to you by Remy Martin. They believe that behind every success is a collective story. Team up for excellence is a celebration of the overall success of a team behind every great achievement. So thanks again to Coach Gruden. Great day over there this morning. I went over there this morning, interviewed Coach Gruden, went upstairs, met with the alumni department, saw some of the sales staff. Saw my buddy Howie Long Jr., saw my buddy Panos, saw my friend Karen, bopped around, Christian Howard, all the people. What a family in that building. What a good time. The building is spectacular, spectacular. And then when I was leaving, you come down these grand stairs, you know, these massive stairs, and I'm ready to leave, and I look to the left, and the Raider Image store is open. Ooh, the in-house Raider Image store. So I went in and bought a new Raiders pullover, kind of jacket for the fall 
which was fantastic, to wear for my next Gruden interview. Nice day out there. Drove from deep Henderson uh, back to Summerlin for the show. Did not need a helicopter today. It's nice to drive from Summerlin to Henderson. Passed by the M, no traffic. You know what that commute would be like in the Bay Area? I'd have to take BART from San Francisco all the way to, what do I I get off of? Coliseum BART. Then I would have had to get to Alameda for that interview. And I would have had to fly up. 17 years, I flew to that interview. And now I get a chance to drive over there and listen to Raider Nation Radio along the way. Hey, coming up next, Ephraim Salam, former 13-year offensive lineman. Uh, He comes on my shows all the time. We're going to get him today to preview the NFL, talk about the Raiders' success, what the Raiders are doing up front with the offensive line. Ephraim Salam with Fox Sports 1. He joins us and we will pick some games a little bit later on with Lee Sterling and Joe Lisi. Hopefully make you a little bit of money heading into this weekend because the Raiders don't play till Monday night. We'll be at the M Resort Casino and Spa for the pregame and the postgame inside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Come on out and see us on Raider Nation Radio. Ephraim Salam, kind enough to join us. Ephraim, good to talk to you. I'm going to jump right in and get your analysis of what's happening with Matt Nagy in Chicago and Justin Fields and the quarterback game that they're playing there because a lot of fans are triggered on this. They think Nagy's trying to torpedo Fields or not going. It's just a lot of confusion in Chicago. Should there be this much confusion? Well, when you don't have an offensive line, then, yeah, you're going to have this type of confusion. Um I don't think either quarterback would be safe behind that offensive line. And and, and just watching the games, even in preseason, uh, when the starting O-line was out there and, you know, both quarterbacks were, they were, they were getting beat up. And the same thing is, is, is happening in the regular season. And this young man who has a lot of talent, but not a lot of protection – so you don't uh, you don't uh, even allow a young player to to be able to get in the flow of the game because he's under mm-hmm. siege. So I I just think it's a situation where you, you know this is not going to be a benefit uh, to Justin Fields because I, he's going to develop bad habits and it happens to, to a lot of young quarterbacks when they go to places where they don't have uh, offensive line or other things in place they develop bad habits. And if those bad habits continue, then that becomes the narrative of that player. Well, can the same be said of Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence? I mean, they don't have great offensive lines. Oh, absolutely. They haven't won a game. I, I, yeah, absolutely. When you when you look at um, of what's happening, and a, a great case study for that would be Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. right? He sure. leaves the Jets and goes to a place that puts some money in the offensive line that has defense and has a dynamic weapon in Christian McCaffrey, although he's hurt now, and he's 3-0. and He looks like a completely different quarterback. So as, as we get these high first-round draft pick, first pick in the draft quarterbacks, it is imperative for organizations to do what they can to bolster those guys up front. Because, look, and, and I'm not just speaking as a former offensive lineman, left and right tackle in the NFL. I, I'm just speaking as a football fan and, and, and someone who who is an avid football watcher. Like, if you can't allow a quarterback to work through progressions and work out the things uh, that you need them to work out as a pro, then it, it's going to have an adverse effect. 
so it's imperative to really be able to 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 give a peace of mind to these young quarterbacks and Dak Prescott came into the league behind the the best offensive line in the league is there any is there any question that him and Ezekiel were able to do what they were able to do their rookie year you look at at, at what um um Russell Wilson excuse me was able to do in Seattle. Those mm-hmm. things really matter. I know it's not sexy, but they matter. From Salam's our guest, I'm in Vegas where Derek Carr lost Rodney Hudson, a Pro Bowl center. Gabe Jackson left. Trent Brown was a disaster. They had to move on from him. They got a new offensive line incognito. Can't get on the field, can't get healthy, and Carr's thrown for 1,200 yards and spreading it out. What have you seen with the Raiders this year? and compare them to the Chargers, Kansas City, and the Broncos, and what you're liking about the AFC West. You, you know, I, I think John Gruden has finally put his arm around Derek Carr and said for so long it's we've heard the narrative of he's not my guy, right? He's not my guy. It just seemed like John Gruden wanted someone else. He's this, the, the quarterback whisperer, right, the guru. And it it finally clicked this year that okay Derek's our guy and this is what it is. John Gruden's on a long term deal. He's got to make the best of the situation. Ownership likes Derek Carr, so it, it seems to me that they're finally out there on the same page in a symbiotic relationship. And that young receiver uh, uh, was it Riggs? Um, yeah, Rugs. I rug, excuse me. He mm-hmm. is coming to his own. Like he was considered a bust last year, right? Why would you go up and, and and take him over? You know the other guys that were available, and it's finally it's paying off. And I think everything is clicking uh, in the right order. And having Quinn, I I I I I love the defensive pressure that they can put. That's mm-hmm. the that's the that's the key, right? Can you get the ball to us? Can we have more possessions? And and can you stop teams from scoring? And all of that is happening in a division where we didn't think they would make any noise. I mean, Kansas City, like, what, what's going on there, right? Yeah, Kansas City's defense is not what it used to be. They're just oh, not the bro. team that we saw two years ago win the Super Bowl. Attrition, injuries, offensive line being torn down and rebuilt again. There's a lot happening there. Ephraim Salam is our guest, former 13-year NFL offensive lineman, great analyst for Fox Sports 1. What do you make of Brady's return here? Because I thought that I'm one of the few. I don't know if you agree with this. I think it's 50-50. You can't give Belichick the credit of being the greatest coach of all time without Brady. And there's no chance, Ephraim, that Brady has anywhere near the career if Belichick doesn't get him in the sixth round, doesn't let him play, doesn't move him up the depth chart, doesn't get the defenders and the great players around him. Brady owes Belichick everything, and Belichick owes Brady everything. I think you got to divide it down the middle 50-50. How do you see it? I'll say this. If Tom Brady didn't have Belichick, then he may be selling Geico insurance right now and (laughs) may have been doing that for for the last – 15 years because he may ne- he may never have gotten an opportunity to even play let alone I mean they had just paid Drew Bledsoe 100 million dollars not very many organizations are willing to you know take that on uh when this young kid built like uh 
uh, a Teletubby <laughs> is is your you know takes over your your organization. So I, I you're right. They do deserve the credit, both of them equally. They created a synergy that we had never seen in the history of the game, and that doesn't take away the greatness from each individual person because they've separated. And Tom Brady has went on and won a championship and shown his greatness. Bill Belichick has, I guess, what he's calling the heir apparent to to Tom Brady. And I can't wait for this reunion of marriages. And I, I'll tell you this: the nerves matter. I remember when 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 um, Peyton Manning left Indianapolis, went to Denver, and he came back. Denver was rocking and rolling. He's setting all kinds of records. He came back to Indianapolis, and I remember saying on air, "This is going to be a tough game for Peyton." The emotions matter. That means something. When you've built a legacy and and and, and a career in one place, and you leave and you come back to that place as an opponent, it's hard. It, it's it's hard. To get keep your emotions in check, and you know Peyton Manning lost that game uh, to the Colts, and it may be a similar thing with Tom Brady coming back to New England. I like what you said about Brady. It was really honest, and you played in the league. If Michael Jack uh, Michael Jordan didn't have Phil Jackson, he had Doug Collins. If he had other coaches, he would have won. There's no doubt he would have won championships. We just don't know how many. Probably doesn't go six and zero. Maybe he goes five and one, whatever it is. But there is a slight chance. And I think Brady, if I'm Scott, at least prove critics wrong and say if he didn't play with New England, if he got let go after year two, he would have ended somewhere else. He's such a dedicated player that he probably would have won. But the way you bring it up is perfect. There's a chance he could have got none. So New England, the Kraft family, and Bill Belichick, Really, Brady owes everything to them because that place at that time gave him the ability to be the greatest of all time. Yeah, it, look, you've, you've heard of the perfect storm, right? That's exactly yes. what that was, the perfect storm. They, they draft this kid in the seventh, the sixth round with 199 picks, same uh, number pick I was a couple years earlier, just wow. to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> and And he turns out to be the best quarterback to play in this era, period, right? I mean, arguably the, the the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all times. Who knew? Who saw that happening? Right? Like, who? No, no. one. You could have. You couldn't have written that in a Hollywood script. No, it wouldn't be believable. You couldn't get that movie made. So, yeah, the credit goes to both, right? They're always be married together. Tom Brady's trying to continue his legacy without him, and Bill Belichick is going to try to do the same thing. Last one, LeBron James said at Lakers Media Day that he's vaccinated, and you've spent a lot of time in L.A., and I think that moves the needle. And the greatest athletes are out there saying that they're vaccinated, while others, there's just a tiny few who are not. Where do you stand on athletes speaking their mind? I understand that it's privacy, but it's tough to be one of the greatest athletes in the world, get vaccinated, and not tell the masses that you're vaccinated. LeBron was finally able to do this. Yeah, you got to. I mean, what is the secret? What are we hiding? Right? Like, I mean, number one, it's proven to save lives, okay, the the vaccination. You can have whatever conspiracy theory you want. Get the real information. And the NBA and the NFL, they have, in all sports leagues, they have the ability to tap in to the correct information. The leading experts in the world in this field, not your cousin on the Internet whose friend, sister's cousin, 
something happened to them, not Nicki Minaj, not any of these other people uh, spewing this information, they have the ability, these professional sports leagues have the ability to get the information to these players from the people they need to be listening to. And you have to make your informed decision about that. Like, you holding out for whatever reason, it makes no sense to me. Um, this is something this country hadn't seen in, in decades, in hundreds of years. Vaccines have, have saved, I mean, billions of lives. Now, all of a sudden, it's not good enough, which I don't understand, especially from a professional athlete, because all of the things that we put in our body, the painkillers, the anti-inflammatories, it it, it boggles my mind that you can sit up there and be like, oh, I'm not going to put that in my body, and you put everything else in there. Yeah, that's that's a lot when you mention the anti-inflammatories, the the drugs that athletes oh. have had to put in legal, brother, legal drugs to let get me back tell on the you, field. Brother, like, oof, good Lord. Oof. You think about that, right? Because you, you played 13 yeah. years, and, you know, I, I look at your bio every time I have you on, and I believe this is accurate. You played 159 games, started close to 130, and there were days where you probably couldn't get out of bed on the off day. And you, had, you were barely able to get out of bed, and you, you did it for the fans, you did it for your family, you did it for your owner and everybody. I had surgery nine days after knee surgery. I mean, I played, I started in a game at left tackle nine days after knee surgery. I've also started 14 games with two broken hands. Like it's, I, it's just a list of things that <clears throat> that I had to endure and medication that helped me endure those things that th- would be far more dangerous than a vaccine has been proven to work. Mm-hmm. Far more dangerous. So just being hung up on, you know, how politicized it's been and your un- your, your mistrust of, of, of the government or whatever those those theories are, to me, I, I, I have no time for it in my life, right? I don't, ha- I don't I can't even entertain that from people. Like, if that's the way you feel, okay, you go over there then, okay? Like, because you're not – obviously, you're not seeing things the way I'm seeing them. So, hey, you go do you over there. But what the, the professional leagues are saying is, hey, look, these are the protocols, right? The last thing we want to do is shut down uh, – speaking of the NBA, like we did uh, a year and a half ago. Like, we don't want to ever do that again. So let's protect ourselves from that, and these guys still holding off on that. I, I just don't get it. I really don't. Hope to have a beverage next time or see you in Vegas. Incredible conversation, as always. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Anytime. I hope so. You know, I welcome Raider Nation to – the field down there. I, I really, I have no idea. You know, some of those Dolphin fans snuck into our stadium last week. Perhaps, perhaps Raider Nation can make can make a stand down in uh, in LA. We we look forward to seeing the fans, obviously, and it'll be a be a great game as it always is. Great rivalry. My buddy Joe Lisi, who's fantastic at not only breaking down college football, but he's even better at looking at it from a gaming perspective. He joins us. And, Joe, uh, thanks for that Notre Dame pick last time. I thought it was obvious. They're the king of Chicago. The alumni's own Chicago. They're getting points. How did they slaughter Wisconsin so easily? 
I think it just comes down to JT that, you know, Wisconsin's offense entering that battle with Graham Mertz was one dimensional. Graham Mertz didn't throw a touchdown pass entering that matchup. I really thought that that would favor Kyle Hamilton and the Notre Dame defense secondary. And that front seven for Notre Dame is a lot better than people think. They made Wisconsin one dimensional and put them into predictable long third downs. And that's why. Their defense was opportunistic when it mattered most, and obviously the kickoff return did really ignite the team. But this is a team that is under the radar. A lot of people not buying into the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We'll see what they can do against Cincinnati. But this is a team that if they run the table, I think they can make some noise in the college football playoff. Yeah, it comes down to that again, Joe. I just wanted to start with that because it's the same old story if they get to the college football playoff and they have a brutal matchup in front of them and get hammered. It's the same Notre Dame story, but I can't rip Ryan Kelly for that. I don't know who they're going to play in the playoffs. If they're playing a really good team, if they match up with Alabama or a powerhouse team and they get beat, that's not a knock on Notre Dame. They, 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 they play well. They're treating their fans to victories. They're recruiting better players. And Kelly is just stockpiling wins and doing a great job. I agree with you. And, and let's, let's keep in mind, there's only four teams that make the college football playoff. And for that Notre Dame team to get in there uh, last year and, and lose to Alabama and played a very good defensive game, I, that's a testament to what Brian Kelly has done. And, and this year, JT, we've seen Ohio State struggle. We've seen Oklahoma struggle. We've seen even Alabama have a very difficult ball game against Florida a couple of weeks ago. So you can never say never. If, if Notre Dame could get to the dance this year, maybe they do have a shot to strike the upset. Notre Dame uh, opened up minus one. Now it's flipped to Cincinnati minus one and a half. Total on the game, 50 and a half. Yeah, I still go to Notre Dame. You know, playing at home, the ability, and I haven't heard this, but Marcus Freeman, his ability to understand the personnel, not just from Luke Fickle, but the offense and defensive schemes, understand the strengths and weaknesses of every player on that on that team. I think that's a huge benefit to his game plan heading into this matchup. I still think Notre Dame is the more physical team. I think it might be close early, but in the end, I do feel that Notre Dame pulls away with this ball game and, and possibly can win a double-digit game. My 10 to 13 points would not shock me in this matchup. Joe Lisi, go for the two, a must-follow. So take me behind the scenes of this Lane Kiffin-Alabama battle on a recruiting perspective. You know, you hear about Arch Manning being at the game, but what uh, Kiffin has with this team that could be dangerous for Alabama. Alabama's had a couple of ruts and slow starts, but once they get ahead, they bury you. What does Ole Miss have to worry about here? Walk me through the matchup. Well, I think the matchup for, for Ole Miss is you want to start fast. You want to get Matt Corral into a rhythm early and put the pressure on Bryce Young to match Corral score for score. But I think the matchup on the other side is, you know, Alabama is going to challenge that Ole Miss defense in terms of run support. They're good statistically, giving up around 132 rushing yards per game. But can they stand up? for four quarters with the constant pounding uh, and physicality of the Alabama offensive line. I think that's the matchup. Look for the running game of McClellan and Brian Robinson for Nick Saban and and, uh, Bill O'Brien in this ballgame. Statistically, JT, Alabama's won five straight over Ole Miss by 33.7 points per game. They're 27-1 since 2017 in Brian Denny straight up and 44-3 and against SEC opponents straight up 
since 2016. I think Alabama does cover this number Saturday afternoon. Joe Lisi joins us. Go for the two. You know Georgia. You know Arkansas well. They both come in 4-0. Sanford Stadium in Athens here. Is Georgia's offense going to get going here? This is a big line for Georgia over an Arkansas team that has gained a lot of respect so far this season. They have. Now, JT Daniels supposedly has a lat injury. How bad is it? I don't know. That could affect his throwing motion. They might turn to Stetson Bennett if he's ineffective in this ballgame. That that would benefit Arkansas and the physicality of that front seven. So I, you watched this game last year in Sam Pittman's first game. It was a very close first-half battle. Dewan Mathis, the former quarterback for Georgia, did not play well. They pulled away in the second half, but I like K.J. Jefferson. I like Jalen Catalan and that veteran secondary. I think they could keep it within the number. I don't know if they win, but I do like Arkansas to cover this game on the road. Joe Lisi joins us. Joe, a couple of the other big games and teams I'm watching here with me being out west, BYU, where I'm in Vegas. There's a ton of BYU fans here, 13-4-0, and a dangerous Utah State team over the last couple of years here. Walk me through this game. Is, Is this an upset alert potentially for BYU or no problem here? No, I think it is. And I was on USF last week, uh, plus the 23-and-a-half. I thought that was a tough matchup after BYU had three emotional wins over Pac-12. They're going on the road. A lot of injuries for BYU. Starting linebacker went down last week. They have some injuries in the front seven. I know they've shown an ability to reload. What's the availability of Jaron Hall? Baylor Romney looks good. But Utah State could be a very dangerous team. This is a team that did not step up against Boise last week. I think they could be within the number. And don't be shocked if they strike the upset over over the Cougars in this ballgame. I just think from a schematic standpoint, the Aggies will be in this ballgame from start to finish. Finally, my son's Oklahoma Sooners. Man, they are winning ugly. They're dropping in the polls every week for winning and I, I think Rattler in my opinions lost to Heisman I don't care what he does the rest of the way I mean there are games already on the sheet where he has not performed as a Heisman Trophy winner unless I'm missing something and K-State's bit Oklahoma in the past tell me Oklahoma Kansas State is this another game Oklahoma's got to worry about late well I think they worry but I think they cover this number and to your point GT I don't think Rattler wins the Heisman that's a great point in regards to that. But, you know, K-State has some quarterback issues. Will Howard, uh, the backup to Skylar Thompson, went down. Uh, Lewis came in. They only converted two of 12 third downs on the road against Oklahoma State. I think this is a get-right game for Oklahoma in, in the sense of you look at the defense. They're keeping them within ball games. Not one offense has been able to rush for over 100 yards on that Oklahoma defense. That's a testament to Alex Grinch. I think OU's defense puts them into predictable third-down situations. This is a methodical K-State offense. They have not looked good in the last couple of games. I think OU gets right in a big way, and Rattler does probably break out in this matchup. Spencer Sanders was able to attack K-State last week for 344 passing yards. Look for the same with Rattler and the OU offense. Big, big win on the road in, in Manhattan this weekend. One of the best in the business, Joe Lisi at Go For The Two. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you, what you got lined up heading into the weekend. Yeah, they can find all my work at GoForTheTwo.com and uh, on Sirius Channel 204 Weekly, talking uh, talking college and pro, uh, 12 to 2 Eastern, JT. Talk to you soon, Joe. Thank you. 
Anytime. Love the show. There he is. Joe Lisi at Go for the Two. Fantastic analyst, especially when it comes to college football. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joins us. He joins us every week. He gives us three to four games that we can jump in on. And, Lee, interesting time now, as we talked about. We got a huge college football game, Alabama, uh, Ole Miss. I look at Lane Kiffin circling the game, but Alabama's been starting slow, struggling at times. Walk me through this game. So Alabama's still really good. But I'm, I'm grading each player, and surprisingly, Alabama's offensive line, not even close to the last couple of years. In fact, out of 130 teams, according to Pro Football Focus, 70th in run blocking, 73rd in pass blocking. Pretty hard to throw vertically with mediocre pass blocking. So the last couple of years, Mac Jones and Tua, they had clean pockets. Even I could throw out of that, but... Not been the same this year. Young's had to move around more, make things happen with his feet. Bama's defense also got tired uh, less than two weeks ago in Gainesville. Uh, Ole Miss, fourth in offensive snaps per game, could put a lot of stress on them. And Ole Miss has improved defensively. A lot of people will just talk about the offense, but their defense allowing just 21 points per game, allowing just 31% of third-down conversions, whereas the last couple years they've been allowing almost – 50% of third-down conversions here. Lane Kiffin can sniff out a weakness and exploit it here. I think this game goes down to the wire. Alabama's still great. They win 45-42, but 14.5 points? Are you kidding me? Wow, so you got them covering. Hey, last thing on this game, with Arch Manning being there, I don't think Lane Kiffin wants to be at Ole Miss. I don't. I believe if he can get back to the NFL, he'll go back to the NFL. He'd love that if he could go back to a bigger program. But he's in the SEC, and the SEC moves the needle. Is he going to be there long? Does this big recruiting class that he has and the one coming in, does that make you believe that Kiffin's going to be there for four, five, six years? Because – Normally he doesn't. How important right. is this game for recruiting and what he wants to do long term, Lee? Oh, I mean he can. I mean he can almost uh, pick and choose if he if he wins this game. And yes. Macarell will be the the Heisman Trophy front runner by a wide margin if he wins this game. I, I think he's grown up. You know, I think he's mm-hmm. he's matured and uh, not saying he doesn't look around, but I think he's going to stay four or five years. Let's move to the NFL with Carolina's points. What they're giving up on defense and rushing yards is incredible. Now, again, not the toughest schedule at all, and they're off to a good start, but Dallas is very explosive, and Dallas can do a lot of things. That really impressed me now that they have a two-headed monster here when it comes to running back. I know Dak is going to play well. I know Dak is going to be a front runner potentially for the MVP this year. Big game right out of the gate because this makes Carolina legit if they cause an upset on the road. Let's get into this one. Yeah, especially without Christian McCaffrey. I mean, who is probably the best all-around back in the NFL. Now, historically, you shy away from the Cowboys as a favorite. In fact, 2-7 and seven, the last nine as a favorite. Panthers 8-0 against the spread the last eight road games. But Sam Darnold has improved greatly throwing the football. Still a little careless holding the ball in the pocket. Doesn't see rushers coming from the blind side. And, and also... You know, holds it like bread. You know, he's he's 
He's not taking care of the ball inside the pocket, and that could be a problem. Dallas can rush the quarterback, uh, and their defensive backs are making plays on the ball. Last time we saw this was like James Washington in the Super Bowl, or before that, Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris. So uh, not just Pollard running the football. They've got a tight end. C.D. Lamb might be a top-ten receiver now in the NFL, and Dak, he looks like he's a top-three quarterback Times have changed. Look out if you're an NFC team. Dallas is ready to make a statement here. I think they win this game easy, 34-20. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Go to ParamountSports.com and see how transparent Lee Sterling is. Every pick, every game, a track record, a real pro, a real sharp who backs up every pick. Uh, let's move to what I think is a massive game. I think Seattle-San Francisco is massive because if Seattle loses – they're in big-time trouble. So as we go to the Rams in Arizona, if the Rams win this game, they're going to start to pull away. They're going to pull away from a Seattle team or San Francisco if they lose. This game intrigues me. Uh, line opens up Rams minus 4.5 here. I've seen it move uh, as far as 6, back to 4.5 here. Let's talk about the Rams and this explosive offense. And does anybody give Arizona and Kyler Murray enough respect that they can do this on the road and maybe be an upset team? So the Rams have owned the Cardinals. I mean, they've won the last eight times they played. In fact, going 7-0-1 against the spread. And people will look at Arizona, and most people don't realize they're 3-0. and And they were a little surprised at Kenyon Drake. They let him get away. Who do they sign? James Conner. You're thinking nothing special. But what they were doing was they were having trouble with their running backs in blitz pickup. A lot of people just look at how many yards a running back gains and judge their performance that way. James Conner will step up and blast the linebacker. And what we're seeing is Kyler Murray stepping up in the pocket, not having to scramble. He's having patience. He's got some receivers. I mean, they add Rondell Moore from Purdue. This kid in the slot, returning kicks. Uh, they now have four or five weapons at the wide receiver and slot position. So this is a dangerous team, averaging over 34 points per game. The Rams are great, but they played their A game last week. It's tough to play your A game two weeks in a row here. I, I think Arizona pulls off that shocker of the weekend here, Ooh. 34-30 over the Rams. Lee Sterling with an upset alert. That's what we look for. Arizona straight up over the L.A. Rams. That's why we have them here. Unbelievable. All right, let's get your game of the week, which is an interesting one because Notre Dame, man, did they send a message. Their alumni went to every steakhouse in Chicago, drank all the wine, all the beer, ate every T-bone steak that they could get their hand on, and now they feel really good. Notre Dame, Cincinnati went from Notre Dame being a slight favorite to now Cincinnati. How do we get this game, Lee? Well, most people can't figure this game out. I watched both games last couple of weeks two times to make some – you know, real strong uh, notes and considerations here. I, I think I've figured it out. You want to get it for free, just call 800-400-9741. If Cincy wins, who knows? Uh, they might be on their way to a Final Four berth. Notre Dame, they win this game. Uh, they keep moving along undefeated. So 800-400-9741. And last week we had the Baker's Dozen. I found another game, not just 13 games, gave out 14 games, we go 11-3, and three. we're rolling. It's not October here, it's ParamountSports.com. We call it Locktober. Locktober. Five weeks, $397, ParamountSports.com, only place to start winning. You get Lee Sterling every week here. Lee, thanks for doing it. Have a great weekend. Good luck. Thanks, JT. 
it's hard to just unleash the rush on this guy because they allow him to scramble and he will scramble and he will hurt you bad. So if you don't protect the pocket um, and you have a lot of coverage down the field against Williams and Keenan and all their weapons, uh, this guy will put the ball down and it'll really hurt you bad running. We got hurt last week with some scramble plays. So we got to really be careful um, you know, with our rush. We got to do a great job containing him first, getting to him second and uh, getting him on the ground third, which is not easy to do. This is a big, strong, young, tough quarterback. That's John Gruden on Raider Nation Radio from earlier this week, his press conference, and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, who is an elephant in the room. Isn't it amazing? Carr is playing so great. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month, and there's still people out there in the media saying, Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. Yeah, even Carr. Carr should be getting all the praise, all the praise for everything that he's doing. We're brought to you by Doghouse. Remember, that's my new Monday night football home. Doghouse is inside Resorts World. This would be a good weekend if you get a chance. If you're local in town, go to Resorts World or go check out Doghouse, where their live music is, the food's amazing, and the sports book is in the middle of Doghouse. So you get it all there. We'll be there for select Monday night games. I'll tell you the games that I'll be at, but that's our home inside Resorts World. So fired up for Doghouse. So I met with Coach Gruden today. We had a big week here wrapping it up. We're on the radio Monday before I'm at the M for the pre- and post-game show. Looking forward to seeing how this looks on TV, everybody. This is going to be incredible. Monday night, kickoff is at 515 Pacific, SoFi Stadium. Their capacity is 70,240. And it's probably going to be 80% Raider fans. 80% Raider fans in that building. So how should that look on television? It should look amazing. A brand new stadium that's going to host the Super Bowl. I'm excited to see what that looks like and to see it black out. You know, a lot of people in the black hole and other fans have been tweeting at me saying, hey, black it out. We know. If you go to a Raider game, wear black. It's always been the thing. You know, people are going to dress up in Vegas. People are going to dress up in Vegas because Vegas is different. But wear black. That's a big deal. That's why the black hole always says black out the stadium. Let's see how they do. I, I can't wait to see how many Raider fans show up. All right, a couple of things as we've talked about. The win against the Dolphins is big momentum. And the word all week it still remains resiliency. This team showed its true character, I believe, through the first three games. Coming back from down 14 nothing is not easy to do in the NFL. And it takes all three of the units coming together. Wins like the one against the Dolphins can really strengthen the bond between the players that the coach has been trying to build the entire offseason. You know, the offense needs to settle down early, and it settled down in that game, and they got to adjust better early and throughout the game, and then they flex their muscles late in the game. As we talked about with Coach Gruden, con- conditioning is big. Now think about this. The Raiders have been asked to prepare in their first four games twice with a short week. That's hard for an NFL team to do. It changes everything with the schedule. The Raiders have played a lot of football so far with these overtime games against some really physical opponents. Now, I was excited that the running game got going on Sunday, but remember, that was five quarters, not four. They ran for 114, uh, excuse me, 140 yards against what I thought was a pretty good Dolphins front. And the Raider offensive line wore them down as the game went on. You know, with 41 rushing yards in the first half, 99 in the second half in overtime, led by Peyton Barber. And we'll see what happens with Josh. You know, Josh at practice, Josh able to go 
and to have the best player at running back is going to be important, even though the Raiders have depth there. I've said this. I think this is going to be a huge, a huge Trayvon Merrick game. We've discussed him a lot this year, but this guy's got to have a big game here. Second-round safety, and he's been evaluated at a high level for these first three games. Check this out. He's played 97% of the snaps on defense as a rookie. And it seems the defense has really limited the big plays downfield this year. I think some of the credit's got to go to Trayvon Merrick. Now, I think Herbert's going to look to attack him. I really do. I think Herbert's going to look at Merrick and Jonathan Abram, try to get them play action into the box. Merrick doesn't have to get in the box. All Merrick needs to do is play center field. Because these guys, when they go deep, they have hands to catch deep balls. And you look at Williams and what we see from Keenan Allen – They go catch the ball at the top of the point. And I expect there's probably going to be a defensive interference or a holding at some point. Merrick's going to have to have a big game with Abram tackling. Because as they play safety and these receivers catch the ball, yards after catch, yak, is really the strength of what the Chargers' big receivers do. They catch slants, and then they don't get tackled or someone bounces off them. Then the safeties are going to be the last line of defense. As we mentioned, A.J. Cole, he doesn't get a lot of publicity, but he's having quite the season so far. He leads the NFL in average yards per punt with 51.6. He's tied for the third most punts inside the 20 and the second longest punt of the year with a couple of 67 yarders in week one and three. His punt down at the one directly led to the Casey Hayward safety that started the Raiders' comeback. And one more thing about Justin Herbert. I wonder what Gus Bradley, Ron Milius, and these other coaches know about him with the game plan. You know, Gus Bradley's been with the Chargers for a while. Now Gus Bradley knows they're going up against Justin Herbert. Ron Milius also knows what he can do and how he could get behind a defense. I think coaching is going to be really big here. Justin Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks I've ever seen in my career, period. That's the ultimate. I could tip my cap to him. Young quarterback, I put him above anybody I've seen recently other than Patrick Mahomes. And you could say Lamar Jackson, too, because he won an MVP. Lamar, But Herbert's right there. And he'll be the key to this game. I think Derek's going to play great. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month. So Derek's played better than Justin Herbert to start. But Herbert's a heck of a player. And he's going to try to really attack the Raiders and try to bury him in the passing game. Chargers will try to establish the run like any team would. But if the Chargers want to win this game, they're going to give the ball to Justin Herbert and let it fly. And now we see the return of Derwin James, who concerns me a bit. What a safety he is. He's got a lot of Jack Tatum in him. He's got a lot of Ronnie Lott in him. He does. He's that great of a player, but he's been injured the last two years. And Joey Bosa, who also never seems to be at 100%. So the Raiders got a couple of really superstar defensive players, two of the best defenders in the league at their respective positions. Containing them on each level is going to be really difficult. This is a defense that has only given up 20 points per game, which is seventh best in the NFL. The ground game will be very important in controlling the clock and not getting behind the chains on third down, where these two guys, Bosa and James, they really thrive. If you put out third and long and Derek's at third and long all day, these guys are going to pin their ear back. And finally, the one other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up the show is to stay humble. Raiders are doing that this year. They're very humble. There's a ton of football left. 
Best start for the Raiders in 20 years. But this is the first division game. And the rest of the teams in the division are a combined 6-3. and three. So there's no room for error. Consistency will be the key this season for this team. And the Raiders have the talent and the camaraderie to compete with the best of all these teams in this league. So I'm excited about that. Hey, we want to thank all of our partners, especially PTs. They fuel the monologue. Remember, they have a whole bunch of special promotions coming in for sports this weekend, just like Wahoo's Fish Taco. We welcome Wahoo's, their California beach cuisine. They've been fantastic. 85000 in free play, and they got every game. Sunday ticket at every Wahoo's that's out there. Our good friends at Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Give them a call at 702-820-1234. Woodson's Bourbon and Whiskey. We've introduced Charles Woodson this week, and we're thrilled about that. Doghouse means everything to us for Monday Night Football. Grimaldi's, we love the $50 Grimaldi gift card. We gave away one earlier today. We thank Remy Martin, who I'll be hanging out with. Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. I'll be at the Remy Bar on Monday night at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. The Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. Five Iron Golf. Our great friends at Modelo for Jim Plunkett, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. We'll see you Monday night football at M. You guys have a good day, man. See you.